and welcome to the 10th episode of Personal Protection Academy podcast. My name is DeAndre McKinney, and uh, I am the chief owner and instructor of Personal Protection Academy here in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia to be exact. Today, I want to go over some concepts in real estate agent safety. Recently, I did a class for a few real estate agents and um, it was a concealed carry class. But I also teach a real estate agent safety class. And in this class, it not necessarily has to do with carrying a firearm, but we do get into that briefly. But it's mostly other concepts. And I think for all my real estate agents out there who want to get a little bit um, better safety-minded um, this will help. So, sit back and relax. Let's talk about some real estate agent safety. Here we go. Okay, again, I want to thank you for, for joining us um, on this podcast. And um, today I have some information about the ATF pistol rule. And if you're not familiar with that, that is the uh, pistol brace situation that's going on in Congress right now where they're trying to ban it. And um, yesterday, uh, during the hearings, the head of the ATF, uh, Director Dadobach, was destroyed by um, the Republicans because it, it's, it's clear to me that he does not know anything about firearms whatsoever, but he is the head of the ATF meaning alcohol, tobacco, firearms, right? So I would expect the director should be at least very knowledgeable on one of those three things. And he actually admitted that he is good at prosecuting cases, but not necessarily expert in any of those things. And that's that's very telling about the kind of things, the kind of laws that they pass. But, you know... Um, Representative Thomas Massey asked the director if this pistol brace could be used um, to make the pistol shoot faster. He couldn't answer. He asked uh, if it made it more accurate. He couldn't answer. He asked it. He asked the uh, director, "Could would it allow the gun to carry more ammunition?" He could not answer. Uh, even to the point where Massey held up the actual pistol brace. And just looking at the thing, you should know that's not going to help you carry more ammunition or to shoot faster, but he could not answer that. And I, for the life of me, I cannot see why this is even being talked about because they have no clear answer for us, right? Um so yeah, so uh, apparently the, the date is the 31st is the last day um, to actually have the pistol braces attached to your firearm. So after that date, according to Director Massey on video, um, all you have to do is take that brace off the firearm and keep it separate, and you don't and you're not in violation. So uh, do what you want that information. Again, I am not a lawyer but I'm just reporting what I've seen in the hearings. Okay. 
Now, keeping in line with law, I wanted to go over with you very briefly some homework for you to do, all right? And I want you to look up these cases. These are the top five court cases that are important to a legally armed citizen, all right? Number one, this is the District of Columbia versus Heller from 2008. And this case is perhaps the most significant Second Amendment case in recent history. The Supreme Court held that the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to possess a firearm for traditionally lawful purposes, such as self-defense in the home. Okay? So I need you to go and look that up to get further information. The second one, the more recent one, is McDonald versus City of Chicago. Okay, this case extended the holding in Heller to state that local governments holding that the Second Amendment is incorporated against the states through the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, all right? So basically, this gave Chicagoans the ability to conceal carry. Before, you can own a, you can own a gun, but you couldn't carry it. And even when you own a gun, you actually have to go buy what they call a FOID card, F-O-I-D, right? And this is phone, a firearms owner's identification. I've actually had one. It's a really stupid process. But when I lived in Chicago, in the Chicago area, uh, that's what we had to have. All right. Number three, United States versus Miller. This is from 1939. This case established that the Second Amendment protects only those firearms that are in common use and have some reasonable relationship to the preservation or efficiency of a well-regulated militia. Now that's kind of um, that's kind of loaded, right? So no pun intended. But uh, in common use, meaning that most people, a lot of people have them. I don't say most, a lot of people have them, and some reasonable relationship to the preservation of efficiency of a well-regulated militia. Um, I have to do a little bit more research on that myself, but that says to me, right, if we're talking about militia, we're talking larger firearms. So that pretty much puts ARs and AKs in that category from my perspective. Again, that's something I need to expand on. All right. Um, number four, Satano versus Massachusetts in 2016. And this case involved a woman who was charged with violating Massachusetts' ban on stun guns. The Supreme Court held that the state's stun gun ban violated the Second Amendment, noting that stun guns are bearable arms and they are commonly used for self-defense. Okay? So that's the stun gun case. And then lastly, in 2016, we have per, uh, Pertua, P-E-R-U-T-A, Peruta. Peruta versus San Diego. And this case involved a challenge to San Diego's policy of requiring good cause to obtain a concealed carry permit. And that good cause, you know, uh, can be subjective by the governing agency that says, eh, we don't think you need a gun. They don't know the, the, the threats you face, right? They might say if you're um, someone who has a restraining order on someone, they can say, well, you have a restraining order. That's all you need. Piece of paper. That's all you need. Like, you know, if you're really a psycho, a piece of paper is not going to stop them from doing anything. 
But anyway, um, that's what the good cause was. But the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals held that the Second Amendment does not protect the right to carry a concealed firearm in public. However, this decision, sorry, that's my dog here shaking. Uh, this decision was later vacated by the Ninth Circuit and the case was not appealed to the Supreme Court. So, there's your homework. As a concealed carrier, I suggest you look these up and have information on them. Um, these things can affect, these court cases can affect how you carry, what you carry, and also the laws that govern if you can carry. So, those that ask your homework, take a look at that. Uh, give me feedback and let me know. Okay, so being a uh, real estate agent is inherently dangerous. When you think about it, you have agents that are alone in the house. Um, they're on the, on the public's time. So wherever the, the, the potential client wants to view a house within you know a reason, they can be how there can be houses shown in the daytime, nighttime. Um, you don't know if someone set up set set up there before you got there. A lot of times, agents are showing these houses by themselves, so it can be kind of dangerous. Um, I'm looking at a, an article from the Chicago Tribune in 2017. This article states that in 2017, realtors report 25% of men. And 44% of women said they had experienced a situation that made them fear for their personal safety or the safety of their personal information. About half, 52% of men, 57% of women, said they carry weapons. The most common were pepper spray, carried by 19% of the agents, followed by guns, which was 16% carried. Others, you know, carried pocket knives and stun guns. So... Apparently, it's enough of a problem where half the agents decide they need to carry. And some of the headlines that I read when I'm trying to do research for this um, for this podcast, I mean, it is amazing that we have so many um, agents. Um, thank God, you know, there hasn't been an overwhelming number of attacks, but it's been enough that people have decided to pick up weapons. Right? So that being said, I just want to go over some ideas, some concepts in real estate agent safety. Okay. I mean, because first of all, again, you guys work alone. Uh, you work with people you don't know. You can't really control where the properties are located, you know. Um, and then you got in terms of the marketing that you have to do, you're relying on public advertising. So you don't know who's looking at the advertising, who's planning and plotting. So the concepts of real estate agent safety include personal safety. And under that, we'll say it's. Uh, precautions for meeting with clients alone, 
safety measures when showing a property, strategies for protecting um, personal information, right? The third is, I'm sorry, the next one is property safety. Uh, well, before we do that, though, let, let's, let's go a little bit more into personal safety, right? Things like always letting someone know where you're where you're going to be, including the address, the property, the name of the client, and how long you're expected to be there. Just have that information given to somebody when you go to these clients, whether it's a text or email. Um, I would say either text or email so they, the information can be recalled quickly and under stress and not giving out the wrong information. Um, whenever possible, you want to actually schedule the meetings during the daylight. I know sometimes that could be um, kind of hard to do. Um, some of the safety measures include like walking to the property first to um, familiar, familiarize yourself with the layout of potential hazards. Uh, you want to maintain a safe distance from clients. And these are some things we talk about in class. And use a buddy system with showing properties by bringing along another agent or colleague. And then be aware of your surroundings and trust your instincts. Okay. And then on the property safety side, you want to identify potential hazards in the property, right? Is there certain areas where it's unreasonably dark, right? Um, do you have guidelines for conduct from conducting property inspections do you know how to properly use safety equipment right and then we go into the cybersecurity. you want to protect your personal and client data you want to find out how uh, the safe use of online communication and transactions platforms um you know do you have two different phones or two different phone numbers right one for business and one for your everyday use and can you recognize and avoid online scams? And then what happens when there is an emergency? So you, you talk about emergency preparedness. You want to develop an emergency plan, uh, knowing the local safety and emergency services. Do you know what a hospital is? Do you know what a nearest police department is? Can you get to it quickly from where you're at, right? Um, and just how to respond to general safety incidents you know maybe your client has it goes into diabetic shock or they fall down the stairs and break something or can you do basic first aid so this along with basic situational awareness is what i teach um well we'll take the the level of safety up a notch because basically, if you don't think these things through before they happen to you, it's kind of hard to make a plan on the fly, right? So if you already have a plan, something happens to you, you can say, hey, in my mind, I've already gone through the situation. This is where I'm going. It's not standing there frozen. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Right? Now, the class that I teach doesn't go into a lot into this concealed carry, but it does touch on that subject. And it also would probably help you out if you took a concealed carry class. If not with me, with someone else, 
So you have the information on how to conceal carry properly and not expose your weapon to the wrong person, not have your weapon um, in the wrong condition, meaning one, I'm sorry, meaning one that's um, not loaded, or if you're not carrying the gun, do you know how to use the taser gun or the pepper spray or the knife? Do you know how to use these things? Okay. Can you retain them if someone grabs them? Um, these are things that you need to know. And I think it would help your confidence in showing houses and help your street smarts if you know these items. All right. All right. So for today's uh, gear chat, uh, let's talk about gun belts and how important they are. It's pretty much an essential piece of equipment. Don't go and get your Levi's belt or a belt you buy from Walmart and think it's going to support your firearm properly if you carry a firearm on your person. The reason why gun belts are important is for support and comfort. All right. A good gun belt is is designed to provide support and comfort to of a weight of a firearm and its accessories, magazines, and things like that. This can help prevent discomfort and fatigue and back pain, especially if you're carrying for long periods of time. And not only that, if you have a bad gun belt, and because you're fatigued or um, you know it's not fitting properly, if you know if it's not a gun belt. You're going to be adjusting your gun in public and that lets everyone know that you're actually armed and that's what we're not trying to do right for security a gun belt will keep your firearm secure and prevent it from uh, moving around or falling out of its holster right you don't want your firearm to fall out and break an optic if you carry one um, if you have a firearm that's kind of old and doesn't have the the drop safety or it's a sig p320 Sorry, scratch that, scratch that. Um, it can fall out and go off, right? Most modern firearms don't have that issue, but there are still a few that have that issue, all right? Um, having a good gun belt will allow you to access your firearm quickly and easily when you need it. A loose, poorly fitting belt can actually hinder your ability to draw your firearm effectively, right? So you go to pull it and, and the holster comes up with the gun. You can't get it out on time and now you're in trouble. All right. And most gun belts are, you know, most good ones are durable and have uh, longevity. Right. It's made of high quality materials and designed to withstand the weight of the pressure of the firearm and its accessories. And this ensures that it will last a long time and provide reliable performance. And also, when you have a good gun belt, because the gun belt is stiff, that's what you're looking for, stiffness in your gun belt, um, it can help you conceal your firearm effectively, right? It holds it in place. It holds it close to your body. And uh, it can actually help prevent the outline of your firearm being visible through your clothing, right? And this is essential when you're out in public. You don't want the attention. So... I personally carry um, Bigfoot gun belts, and this gun belt has lasted me five years, 
And if you actually see it, you wouldn't believe that was a five-year-old belt. And one of the reasons um, that it's lasted five years, it probably lasts a lot longer. I can no longer use it because I lost uh, quite a bit of weight. So I need to buy a new one and I'm going to. But there is a, um, a steel insert in it, right? And it helps keep the belt stable. And it's a pretty thick belt. So that holster is attached to it effectively. And I can't say enough good things about the belt. Um, one of the one of the statements on the website says the last gun belt you ever own because it's just that good. You don't need to buy another unless you're in a situation like me that lost weight and now you got to get a new belt. But I de I'm definitely going to keep that one just in case the weight comes back on. And um, yeah, I'm ordering my, my gun belt tomorrow. So that's today's gear chat. And welcome to the 10th episode of Personal Protection Academy podcast. My name is DeAndre McKinney, and uh, I am the chief owner and instructor of Personal Protection Academy here in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, to be exact. Today, I want to go over some concepts in real estate agent safety. Recently, I did a class for a few real estate agents. And um, it was a concealed carry class. But I also teach a real estate agent safety class. And in this class, it not necessarily has to do with carrying a firearm, but we do get into that briefly. But it's mostly other concepts. And I think for all my real estate agents out there who want to get a little bit um, better safety-minded um, this will help. So sit back and relax. Let's talk about some real estate agent safety. Here we go.